Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the 83rd episode of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Jill. Hi, Adam. Hi, Jill. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I feel, I'm tired, but I'm very musical. I saw Into the Woods last night. We were just talking about it for a while. We were. Cleveland, as we've mentioned many times, awesome, awesome theater district, and it was cool. It was different, but it was, it was minimalistic on the sets and everything, which a little disappointing because Into the Woods, you expect a big old production but that's okay i woke up this morning singing you are not alone to my wife she's like that's a creepy way to wake up that is a very creepy way (laughs) yeah um but yeah i'm good that's we're not talking about musicals today but that's what's on my mind so um (laughs) do you know what okay so we're recording this on friday do you know what tomorrow is uh tomorrow saturday today's friday the 13th it's a very sad day tomorrow tomorrow no you're gonna tell me it's one of the anniversaries that's upsetting isn't it it is. Is it Alan? It is. It's Alan Rickman. It's Alan Rickman. Oh, I knew you were going to say that because David Bowie David was David Bowie was earlier this week. Oh, man. Two people that we absolutely love. I know. Are you going to watch anything in his memory tomorrow? Probably. I was wearing all my Slytherin stuff yesterday, mm-hmm. and somebody asked me, they're like, was it, I was wearing it on Wednesday or something, and they're like, is it an anniversary? I'm like, well, not till Saturday, but because of work stuff, I can't. Yeah. Wear it on Friday. Oh, man. So, maybe Harry Potter for you? Might be Harry Potter. I have a bunch of his other ones, too. I was say, do you have a favorite Alan Rickman movie? Other, I mean, other than, like, the Harry Potters, or that's um, he's really well-known for, obviously, I, but... Honestly, yes. It's the... <laughs> it's Blow Dry. Okay. Which is yeah. this... <laughs> um, It's this... I love... Uh, I don't even know how to describe Blow Dry. It is a... Mo- it's British. It's about a hairstyling competition okay I've like in that seen this. oh my god it's so hysterical um it's like this yeah hairstyling competition it's sort of if you've seen strictly ballroom it's in like the strictly ballroom okay. type of vein of sure whatever if you like strictly ballroom you'll probably like um blow dry but mm-hmm. he plays a hairstylist um heidi klum is one of the models mm-hmm. um spot on bill Nighy's in it as sort of his uh playing himself um, like his... no he's playing sort of his competition ah. um in the hairstyling world it's okay. hysterical nice yeah i'll probably watch dogma oh yeah that's yeah a good one i'm too. a huge kevin smith fan and dogma is one of my more favorite sneaky alan rickman roles because he's so just bad. like so snarky and he's such a he's the voice he plays the voice of god and he's just so angry that no one knows what he is or who he is and agreed so yeah. All right, sorry, um, I didn't mean to distract from. No, that's okay. That's totally fine. <laughs> you just, you know, made my day sad, but it's all right. Um, sorry. <laughs> so today's episode, uh, Jill and I interviewed debut author Samuel Parker. His new book is called Purgatory Road, and the basic plot of it is a couple finds themselves stranded in the Mojave Desert with dwindling hope of survival until a mysterious man shows up. And they have to determine if he's helpful, if he has something much more sinister about it. So um, it's a journey. It's a little fantastical. It's described as a suspense and thriller, but Samuel told us that there's a lot more to it than just your typical thriller. Indeed. Um, It's set near Las Vegas, which means I'm going to Las Vegas later in the spring. And it just, at first, I love Vegas, but I'm certainly not uh, venturing much further off out of the Strip after talking about this book. Yeah, Vegas is like my most favorite city in the entire country. I love Vegas. I love Vegas right now because I haven't been there in like a year and a half. And then if you ask me again when I come back in May, I'll be like, I'm never going to Vegas again. Oh, no. As soon as I, like, I never want to leave Vegas. Like, I have plans, like, in my mind. I'm going to be one of those ladies when she's, like, 70 who, like, retires to Vegas. (laughs) 
and it's like hanging out in the casinos and track suits all the time that's gonna be me oh my god i want I'm, that's my favorite image ever um so are you a gambler do you gamble a little bit i like the slot machines mm-hmm. um i'm not confident enough to sit down on a card table oh okay we should go together because i love me some cards <laughs> my dad loves cards my dad will play cards i yeah. like the slot machines yeah we um there has been several bachelor parties when I have sat at a blackjack or pie gout table until the sun comes up and you just, you lose track of time. It's a great place. For, uh, the last time I was in Vegas was several years ago. It was for my 30th birthday. And um, I fully believe in what I call birthday magic. Okay. Ooh. And it definitely worked in Vegas on my birthday. I was up very high and then of course I lost it all the next day. Right, but for course. my birthday. I was going to say, the day after was not your birthday. So. The day after, not so good. <laughs> Day off, like every machine I sat down at, it was a winner. It was good uh, stuff. Well, good for you. That's, I'm, I'm not going for a birthday. I'm going for a bachelor party. So hopefully the groom to be will be. Uh, there you go. Will win some money. Yeah. Um, actually, have you ever seen any shows in Vegas? Since we're talking about musicals, <laughs> I just thought of this. I saw the Blue Man Group. Uh huh. Um, years ago when we went. This is actually kind of uh, when we went for my birthday. The only thing I had as like what I wanted to do is like I want to see Penn and Teller. Like that's the yeah. only thing I care about. Mm-hmm. I want to see Penn and Teller. Um their schedule was kind of wonky leading up to it. Like there were a lot of shows that were like being canceled or whatever. And then I'm not even kidding we got tickets. The day we flew out of Vegas, my mom called me and she goes like on their way to pick me up to go to the airport. She's like, um so they canceled the Penn and Teller show. Oh. Are you kidding no. me? Turns out it was the year, the year. <gasps> that Penn was on Celebrity Apprentice. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say. No, no, no. He was on else. Celebrity Apprentice. And so um, he would, like, his schedule was sort of, they didn't know week to week because mm-hmm. yeah. if he's fired right. uh-huh. <laughs> by our president-elect, he might not um, uh-huh. be on the show. So I have not made it back yet to see Penn and Teller, but that is the only thing I want to do. But I've seen some musicals. I saw, I think I saw Starlight Express. Amazing. In Vegas, which is, people don't know, they're on roller skates. Mm -hmm. Yes, they Um, are. I've seen some of the uh, celebrity impersonators. Yeah. We saw Phantom of the Opera. Oh, yeah. It was, it was like the several, it was just a couple weeks before they closed that theater and made it into something else. And it was Really, really good. Um, none of these Vegas <laughs> stories will be in Purgatory Road, which you'll find out in just a little bit when you hear Samuel Parker talk about it. Look at that. It's me reeling us back I'm in. I'm so glad because yeah. I'm sitting here like, our poor listeners. I actually, I looked like, down. I was like, we've just rambled for like five minutes about nothing at all. That's okay. It's a Friday. Um, okay. We should talk about something that got tacked onto the very end of our last episode so if nobody was like listening yeah, all the way they, through they didn't make it yeah are you talking about how they can get a hold of us uh, yeah i'm yeah, talking about I, how they can get a hold of us so we got all fancy we got a official email address so if you email professional book nerds at overdrive.com that is going to be directly to jill and i and also we are on twitter now so if you look up at pro book nerds you'll find us on twitter or just search for professional book nerds it will show up um, or find Overdrive, and I'm tweeting as Overdrive for a few more weeks, promoting the professional book nerds. So, yep. Um, but yeah, that's Jill and I, and you'll you can see some some of our snark coming through in the tweets, and we have a lot of fun. So yeah, follow us on Twitter and let us know what you're reading, and we can offer you up some book recommendations. In the near future, we're gonna do a we're gonna reach out on Twitter, see what people are reading, and do like a big old reader advisory podcast. We are indeed. Yeah. Um, so this is Monday that you're hearing this. A week from today, we may not have a podcast that I know of. Oh. I, will, I will be in Atlanta doing a whole bunch of interviews. Um, so unless Joe wants to do something entirely by herself, maybe Joe will just come on here and talk for 45 minutes by herself. I will. I'll just, I don't know. Starlight Express. <laughs> um, <laughs> anything else that you think our listeners should know about before we let them listen to Samuel Parker? Um, I don't think so. You will be at Midwinter, so if any of our library friends, they should come and find you and say hi. Yes, I will be at Midwinter, and actually, we'll have a podcast on Thursday that I'll remind everyone. Oh, yeah, everyone. that's true. But if you are a librarian and you're traveling to Atlanta for the American Library Association Midwinter Conferences, uh, come to booth 910. That is the Overdrive booth. I will be there all day doing presentations and talking to authors and putting on a, a song and dance routine. 
So, yeah. All right. Anything else? That's it. It's fantastic. All right. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed this interview with debut author Samuel Parker on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is Adam and Joe from Team Overdrive. And today we're joined by Samuel Parker, who was born in the Michigan boondocks, but was raised on a never-ending road trip through the United States. Besides writing, he is a process junkie and the ex-guitarist for several metal bands you've never heard of. He lives in West Michigan with his wife and twin sons, and his debut title, Purgatory Road, is now available to borrow and purchase. Samuel, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Would you mind getting us started by giving our listeners just a short introduction to Purgatory Road? Yeah, so uh, Purgatory Road obviously is my debut novel. It's a a suspense thriller with uh, some supernatural elements kind of woven together. Um, Story follows a couple from Chicago who go out to uh, Las Vegas for a extended uh, weekend. Uh, vacation getaway and decide to take a uh, road trip out of Vegas uh, almost to like Death Valley area and uh, car breaks down they get stranded um, they get rescued by a recluse who's living out there in the desert and then find themselves in a bigger good uh, good and evil battle than they ever expected um, existed or to be part of uh, there's a side story with a uh, girl from Memphis who is uh, running away from home looking for life out on the West Coast. It's a little bit more exciting, and uh, she gets caught up into the story as well. Um, it's pretty quick. Uh, I'm a big fan of Robert Parker. Uh, no relation, and I didn't try <laughs> to um, write on his coattails. But Robert Parker writes, especially in his like, Jesse Stone novels, and I'm a big va- fan of the Virgil and... Uh, uh, Virgil Cole and Everett Hitch Western series that he did right up before he died. Uh, he writes really kind of lean, uh, to the point. Lots of short chapters. It's a it's kind of a really addictive, quick reading style. Um, that's the style I really kind of uh, am drawn to, and I find myself writing. And so it's a very quick read. Uh, a lot of early feedback is that uh, people can't put it down. Lots of one sitting readings. Um, so, so that's basically my, my elevator pitch for Purgatory Road. Um, Speaking of uh, some of those early reviews, I, I was kind of poking around those as well. And I've seen people uh, describe it as a mystery. I've seen people describe it as a suspense novel, a thriller, a book of horror, uh, supernatural. And honestly, I, I love when books don't fit into a neat category like that. But if you were going to tell someone about the book what is the like the one or two genres you would tell them just as an author so we can kind of definitively tell people this is what samuel thinks is called yeah yeah sometimes i i, I cop out and i say well you know what what do you like to read oh it's just <laughs> like that <laughs> uh but suspense uh is, is what i go for i that's what i was going for mostly when i write is, is more of a suspense feel i'm not a big uh uh gore and horror fan. I, I love horror novels, but not uh, uh, really graphic. That's, that's not what I'm into. Um, so I, I, I tend not to use the horror genre. Uh, suspense, uh, definitely. Um, I, I find that I can relate it more to a specific movie <laughs> than to a genre. Um, and one of Quentin Tarantino's movies uh, from a uh, uh, Dust Till Dawn that yeah. came out, starring George Clooney, right? Uh-huh. And the reason I use that as a description is the first half of that movie is just a straight kind of uh, thriller in the sense that Clooney and, and Tarantino, they rob a bank, right? And they try to escape to Mexico. And then halfway through that movie, it just turns like instantly into a vampire story. <laughs> right. And, and so when you're watching that, you just, it takes you like a minute to be like, wait a second, what, what just happened? Um, and so... I thought about that movie and how he executed that when I was doing Purgatory Road because the first you know couple chapters is just a kind of a straight what's going to happen to these people and then it kind of turns on a dime into more of a, a supernatural element, darker elements coming into the story, uh, kind of out of the blue. So not only the character is kind of surprised that this is where the story went, but uh, hopefully the reader is too. Um, 
And so we try to we, we describe that in the in the book in the copy that you know this is a supernatural story too. So I don't know if I answered your question or just made it more confusing. <laughs> but, um, no, that was good. No, that yeah. that works. That works. No, um, I mean, and going on this with so many genres being covered in the book, and you mentioned that you do sometimes read horror. Um, but with the supernatural and the suspense, are these other genres of books that you really enjoy reading? Oh uh, yeah, I, I really do have a eclectic reading habit. It, it, it it's very um, very varied all the time. Uh, I'm not as a reader. I don't really uh, stick to series very long. I kind of kind of get bored with it, and so I want to jump to something new. Um, but yeah, if I look at my favorite authors, it's it's it's, it's a wide range. Um, I'm a big uh, Cormac McCarthy fan, mm-hmm. uh, and I say that with a big asterisk. My book's not like Cormac McCarthy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I, I love Cormac McCarthy's books, and not not just you know when it became popular with The Road and stuff. But Blood Meridian is one of my favorite books, and the way he he just describes everything that's going on, and that even has almost a supernatural element to it with. Uh, uh, Judge Holden uh, in it has is kind of this superhuman character in Blood Meridian. Um, I, I'll read uh, westerns a uh, couple times a year, uh, getting that vibe. Uh, Neil Gaiman is just one that I just love to read everything he comes out with. Um, all the way to, in my background, my schooling, I, I studied Russian literature. So I'm a big fan of Dostoevsky. Nikolai Gogol is one of my favorites. He has a lot of super natural or fantastic elements in his short stories um all the way to what's what's kind of on the new york times list so mm-hmm. it's 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 very very uh almost schizophrenic type reading habit <laughs> i think that kind of comes in to uh where when, when when i'm writing when i wrote purgatory road and all the other books that are sitting on flash drives and nobody's all overseas <laughs> um it's uh you know, I, I I don't know if there are rules that you can't borrow from all of these genres or not. Uh, maybe I'm just ignorant of them and don't care that you can't. Um, but I say, you know, why not? Why not put a guy on a horse in a in a modern day novel about <laughs> Vegas? <laughs> um, uh, why not have this guy be, you know, either not human or not? Who, who cares? You know. Um, so yeah, I think reading a wide variety of things has just really helped with the way that I approach writing a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you mentioned Neil Gaiman, and that actually falls right into the next question I wanted to ask you. I've seen some descriptions of your character Boots kind of comparing him to uh, Mother Abigail and Randall Flagg in Stephen King's The Stand, but to me he feels actually more kind of like a American Gods type of a character. Um, was there any inspiration for you kind of while you were creating that character? Did any books or or movies or anything come to mind or is that just sort of he it was an image in your head that you knew what you wanted him to be like well i had um have had read american gods uh i'm trying to remember the timeline uh probably two years before i wrote purgatory road because mm-hmm. i think that came out in like 2007 2008 maybe um but i but i or even before but when i got to it it was, it was a couple years before so yeah, I mean that. I'm sure part of that was lodged in my head somewhere. I didn't. I, I didn't deliberately think about American Gods when I wrote it. Uh-huh. Um, the thing that really stuck in my head with the character Boots is I'm a fan of the old Sergio Leone films, mm-hmm. um, the speak the speak of the westerns. You know, like the Good and the Bad and the Ugly, and Fistful um, of Dollars. Clint Eastwood. You know, right. kind of this really strange guy who doesn't talk much and comes into town. And I mean that that's. That was more in my head than consciously thinking about Neil Gaiman's work. Um, and um, I'll, I'll admit, I've never read The Stand. <laughs> Probably, uh, I, that's almost blasphemy, right? But I've never read it. Uh, so, I, yeah, I noticed a couple of people were referencing The Stand in it. So that one I can I can honestly admit that that didn't come in subconsciously. Well, I've not read it. Um, his, I, w- I would... I would have been more of like this is more comparable to uh, Stephen King's uh, was it the Gunslinger? The Gunslinger, yeah. The Dark Tower, the, mm-hmm. the, the first book in the Dark Tower series. 
Well, there's some overlap with the stand, yeah, so, so it's, it's a fair comparison. Joe is a gigantic... Okay, no, 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 you're okay. I, I haven't read the stand either, but Joe is our resident uh, Stephen King expert, so yeah, any any reference to Stephen King, she can kind of, <laughs> she can help us piece together. <laughs> okay, okay, so I, okay, so part of my, part of my uh, ignorance with this, but, uh, and I had read it several years ago, but uh, I think that first book starts out with, he's, he's running across the desert, right, chasing the man in black. He is like indeed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, is, that, is that kind of okay to say? Yeah, that's that okay to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I think, uh, you know, I, 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 I wasn't consciously thinking of these things when I, was, when I wrote Purgatory Road. Um, but I, but I, I can't discount the fact that there's probably been some influence like that, probably more than I would want to admit or more than I realize. It's <laughs> okay. Um, so Las Vegas is probably my absolute favorite city in the United States. Yeah. And, uh, I, I love the idea of using the desert outside of it as your location. What sort of inspired and motivated you to, to choose that as the, uh, the, the setting for your book? Well, uh, it was, it was just a personal experience. So, um, uh, this book is not autobiographical at all, um, <laughs> My, my wife my wife asked me that especially when she read the rough draft she was like uh, I'm not comfortable with this <laughs> <laughs> because what we did I mean we me and her uh, when our kids were really young we went out to Las Vegas for like a four day uh, weekend and the reason we picked Las Vegas was because we knew there weren't going to be as many kids around right mm-hmm. and so right. when we had twins and they were around two years old we just needed a break from kids <laughs> plus we also wanted to go someplace where if we saw kids we wouldn't feel guilty having left ours at home <laughs> <laughs> you know so but we're not uh we're not big gamblers and we're not stuff like uh people who, who do those things uh just because we're not and so uh after a couple of days we were like well let's just rent a car and we'll just drive around so that's what we did we went out to see like the, the dam hoover dam but we also went up to this place called Red Rock Canyon, mm-hmm. which is, I think, around 20 miles west of Vegas. And you pull in, and there's a 13-mile loop um, that you drive on, and it's, it's two lanes, and uh, you really feel isolated from the world, and it's just a great, picturesque location. So we stopped the car, and I remember exactly the spot. I have a picture at home of the spot where I got out of the car and looked out over the canyon area, and I just had... Uh, like an epiphany of one of the one of the scenes. I was like, well, this would be a great place for a movie and blah, blah, blah. I had this image of this old man just beating the crap out of this guy <laughs> for no reason. Uh, and that was the genesis of the story. And then it just, as I fly home and then kind of just think about it, it just, it kind of went from there. But um, yeah, that was, that was, that was how I, how I chose that location because I, I just was there and had an idea. And I feel like I have to, just to, to add to that, I feel like the desert, I'm claustrophobic of really tiny spaces, but at the same time, I think the desert is very much the same way where it's like, it's this giant, the ocean is the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's this giant, expansive place, but it's very much isolated and it's the same, you know, there's nowhere you can go to escape it. So it's almost like being, to me at least, it's almost like being trapped in a small space, but that small space is gigantic, if that makes sense. So to me, I no. thought it was a perfect setting. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, uh, there's, there's a spot where he's looking, in the book where, where the character Jack is looking out, right? He's looking out into the vast the vast desert form. And this idea of, of being trapped in infinite space mm-hmm. um, kind of goes through his mind. And that I think I think you nailed it exactly, is, <laughs> is you do get that feeling um, I've had the, the, the opportunity to travel a lot uh, for, for for work, and uh, the High Plains area, like out in the, the Panhandle of, of of Texas or or Oklahoma, it, it's not desert, but it has that same vibe where you can just see forever. Mm-hmm. And there's something both uh, just really uh, kind of freeing in a sense especially if you're stressed out and you're used to the city, you get out there and it's like, wow, this is amazing. And then after a while, it's like, this is really creepy at the same <laughs> time, you know? Um, so yeah, I think it, I don't think this story would have worked in any other location. Uh, I remember uh, studying um, Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, one of, which is one of my favorite books, mm-hmm. where uh, St. Petersburg is almost a character in the story as much as 
members of Roscolnikov is. And um, I have been kind of conscious of that in my writing. Okay, the, the, the environment can be just as much of a participant in your story and not just, you know, background noise. And I think the desert does that perfectly in this book. Uh, what was your writing process like for the book? It was very short. It was very short. I think I wrote this um, and uh, about four months. Uh, so it was really kind of just a, an all-out blitz. That once the idea was there, it just it just kind of it sounds horrible to say it just kind of wrote itself. Uh, that's kind of a cliche. That's a cop out, right? Um, <laughs> no. But it did. It, no. just, it, just, it, just, it just kind of spit itself out. Um, and I originally wrote this story in 2009, so it's it sat on a flash drive for about six years, and uh, would have would have still been sitting on there. Um, had not uh, a colleague of mine remembered it and and wanted to push it forward, so um, um, a, lo- a lot of other writings that I've done have taken a long time. I, I have a book that I've been working on for five years that's just kind of going nowhere. Um, uh, I just finished one and turned in my second novel, and that took about eleven months. That was much more kind of uh, scheduled. Um, I'm going to spend so much time a day, uh, but Purgatory Road just came out almost like. Uh, in and of itself. <laughs> so it's, so it, 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 was, it was like lightning in a bottle. I think I feel <laughs> very lucky. I think Booch is a character that I'll, I'll be lucky to create another one like him mm-hmm. for the rest of my writing. I think he's just, he's great. People kind of resonate with him and like him. Um, so so did, um, did you have, like, you, you said that the, the story kind of just like fell out of you in, in four months. Did you have the whole overarching like story in your mind or did you have this a general idea and you started writing and you're like oh, I'll figure out you know the kind of ins and outs of things when I when I get to it no I didn't have the whole story um and one of the one of the things that I think is that I found out later um that I find fascinating is is the first chapter I wrote was chapter 42 in the book it ended up being <laughs> chapter 42 Right, which is great, uh-huh. especially if you love Douglas Adams. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, it, it's the scene where Jack kind of escapes from this cabin that he's being held in and goes off on his own. And that was the first chapter. And then everything expanded mm-hmm. left and right from that. Mm-hmm. And the story kind of built out from there. Huh. But uh, uh, so it just, but it just came together real quick. I think the last element. Uh, to be put in was um, was really rounding out uh, uh, Seth, uh, not Seth Colton's character, the the main human antagonist of the story, <laughs> um, and just that was a lot of fun because I never thought he was bad enough, and so I just wanted to keep making him like worse and worse and worse, <laughs> <laughs> and and it was also enlightening to see like well, this is kind of my favorite aspect of the process is how bad I can make this guy <laughs> it was very cathartic you know because you can't do bad things to people in real life right? <laughs> but uh, on paper I can I can make him do tons of horrible things oh. so, <laughs> so that, that was that was probably the best but yeah um, 42 has been a, been an important number in this in this book and uh, mm-hmm. when they paginated it and I saw the final edition I was like wow 42 is the chapter <laughs> uh, there's a reference to uh, 42 uh, uh, lines on the highway that he's walking on uh-huh. uh, when they're stranded um, again referencing Douglas Adams right you know, the ultimate answer to everything uh-huh. <laughs> and so um, to me that's just kind of a cool little unintentional <laughs> fun aspect of publishing this you should just take credit for it you should just tell everyone you meant to do I that the take whole credit time. For it. yeah i should have like yeah uh when i turned up my manuscript this has to be chapter 40 <laughs> <laughs> um, um when you aren't writing how do you like to spend your time i imagine having twins kind of keeps you busy <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's kind of yeah that basically <laughs> <is the> <laughs> perfectly it's it's uh my, my, my boys are 10 now so it's it's full-blown homework time, dinner, getting ready for school, crash, you know? I mean, that's, that's our life. Um, so I, I, the 
the free time I have is usually midday, lunch, lunchtime. You know, I think we all we all do the nine to five or eight to four, or eight to six, whatever we do. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll writing to me is is my is my hobby. Is stuff you know is what I like to do in my free time, writing and and reading. So uh, I'll I'll spend my lunch hour uh, in my car writing. So that's what I do. Nice. Uh, I, I go to there's a park right close to my office, and I'll I'll drive over there where it's quiet, and and uh, turn off the radio and just open my laptop and write for probably forty minutes. Nice. Um, oh, so one of the questions you put in, or your publisher put in your reading group guide, asks about uh, Jack and the dream version of himself. So I want to know what would the dream version of Samuel Parker be, if if even if only for one day, what would be the dream version of yourself? The dream version of myself. Um, you know, that's a tough question. I don't know if I've ever thought about. It. Well done. Well, I, well I can't. Done. I can't take credit for it. It was. It was on your publisher's reading guide for your book. So I appreciate it, but I. I won't take credit for that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, my dream version of myself. Um, I, I just. It's really probably simple. Just. Uh, just to just to have a good time. <laughs> I think that's my dream version. I, I don't have any aspiration to be, you know, well known or famous. I know a lot of people who write books want to be known. You mm-hmm. know, want to be some sort of, of fame and fortune or whatever. Uh, I I just want to be happy. Mm-hmm. I think Samuel Parker um, being known for having written just a good book. I think that's what I really want. And I'm not trying to be humble or anything like that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I really think that's my ultimate goal here. Sure. It's just, it, it's just to have to written a good book and book that people like, and also when I'm 80 years old and looking back, not be embarrassed by something I did way back. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Uh, So next up, we have what we call the Nerd Nine, which are nine sort of quick rapid-fire questions. Don't think too hard about the answers, okay? Okay. Okay. (laughs) I'm ready. They're not that bad, I promise. Uh, What is the last book that you finished reading? was uh, Jesse Stone, uh, book four by Robert Parker. Okay. Your favorite place to read? Uh, In bed. Guilty pleasure? Uh, diet pop. <laughs> One place you'd like to travel to that you haven't been to yet? Uh, St. Petersburg in, in Russia. Favorite holiday? Uh, Christmas. Favorite movie? <sighs> ah, you stumped me. Oh, <laughs> the Rapid Nine. Oh, there's so many. Um, Stand by me. Oh, that's a good that's one. That's a good one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, cats or dogs? Dogs. Favorite food? Mexican food, tacos, and tamales. Nice. If you could have dinner with one person, dead or alive, who would it be? Marcus Aurelius. Oh, Ooh, that's, that's a, a good, good answer. <laughs> um, so I have meditations on my on my table right next to me, so I just looked at it. That's fair. That That's works. Fair. Um, all right, so our last question our last question for you is, uh, what do you hope readers take away from reading Purgatory Road? Um, I hope they take away, not only that it's just an enjoyable story, but I hope they take away this idea of... Um, To entertain for for a moment the idea that there's there's there could be some magic still in the world, you know. Uh, every place it seems to have been explored, everything seems old and tired, and I and I hope just kind of a spark of like uh, imagination. That's what I hope people take away. Perfect. That is a great place to end, Samuel. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace.
You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.